Should the Oklahoma City Thunder trade back in the first round? And who will get more minutes next year, Usman Jang or this upcoming first-round pick? It's your questions on today's Mailbag Monday podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into your Mailbag Monday questions. Should the Thunder trade back from 12? Who plays more in the first round pick this year or Usman Jang? Who are realistic trade-up targets this year? And who are the late risers that we will see? Plus, should the Thunder draft Bronny James next year? Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen. We're here for you every single day, Monday through Friday, on YouTube and any other podcasting platforms. Every day, you can expect this week three NBA draft profiles and a visit from Mavs Draft along the way. Plus, this Mailbag Monday podcast, which is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive up to a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Let's get into today's Mailbag Monday. If you want to participate in Mailbag Monday on Twitter every Sunday, I'll tweet out a tweet about questions, but you can also uh, leave them in the comment section on YouTube. First question comes on Twitter at Funky Sooner. Talk through the potential of trading back into the first round, picks say 20 through 30. What would they be giving up and what would they be looking to add? Uh, he mentions that that, they, that he would like to see the Thunder go after Derek Lively or Zeke Naji. So I'm going to take this question and go a multitude of ways. What would it be like trading back in? But also, what would it be like trading back from 12? The players on the trading block in terms of like what you would use to get back into the first round, it's just Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Lindy Waters. Like it's clear to trade back into the first round, it would take future first round picks. It'd take a package that was centered around future first round picks. So to answer that question for you, there it is. In terms of what names would you want to see the Thunder attack if they were to get back into the first round along with their 12th overall pick? Uh, I think that CD Sisko would be incredible in OKC. I think that Noah Clownley would be incredible in OKC. Chris Murray, uh, you know, maybe you see uh, Derek Whitehead fall due to injuries. Like if he falls down to a certain range, a certain threshold, and you have this huge draft capital and you want to take a swing, maybe you look at that. And then Kobe Bufkin, it's kind of hard to see uh, what his range is, is at right now. I think they'll have a clear picture of that as Intel comes out post-combine, but those are some names to watch for why the Thunder would want to get back into the first round. But I think that the more interesting aspect of this would be trading back from 12. So let's say that the lottery plays out, and let's say that on lottery night, the Thunder gets their name called at 12. If that's the case, the prospects you're looking at are Leonard Miller, 
Ryan Repair, Balai Kulablai, Kaysan Wallace, Kobe Bufkin, Jordan Hawkins, Jet Howard. Assuming none of the top names that we love fall, like assuming there's no weird draft day slide of Grady Dick or, or Drees Walker or Taylor Hendricks, like assuming that those are the names that, that you're kind of expecting. What would be the difference between repair and say Leonard Miller? Like, are you in love with any of those guys? How much do you love them at 12? Because I think that truly the, the 12th pick is in such an, a range where no matter who the Thunder pick, there's going to be a large fraction of pundits, media members, fans screaming that the Thunder reached and took the wrong guy. Because in that range, it's so hard to put this draft under a microscope and decipher who truly is the 12th best player that my 12th best player could be your fifth best player. And it could be your 20th best player. Like you, it could be a wide range of topics at 12. So if, if you feel that way in your draft room, why not see if you can move back to say 15th with Atlanta? Cause they might love somebody at 12 with that. They cannot get at 15 or maybe even Utah. Utah is an interesting case because they have the 16th overall pick and that's one of their three first-round picks. What if they want to make a splash and you know take their top 10 pick and also uh, add the 12th pick to it? In fact, they could be in the prime range for wanting to trade you know, future assets or whatever to get up to 12 and give you 16 or something like that. Because first-round picks are going to be incredibly valuable. I know that if they trade back and acquire a future first-round pick, it is going to set off the the fire alarms in every media member's household. You think that there are smoke detectors in their household? No, those are alarms that Sam Pressy traded for a future first-round pick, so I must race to Twitter and let off the most idiotic tweets about how Sam Presti only loves first-round picks. They all have alarm clocks in their room and smoke detectors that are actually alarms for Sam Presti tweets. But at the end of the day, first-round picks are only increasing in value especially as you look at this roster, if Josh Giddy truly does become what we think he can be, SGA is that superstar player, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, they go to that level where you're going to need to pay up for them. You're going to need to give them max contracts. If they hit what they're supposed to hit, then it is critical to have first-round picks on hand, not to bolster the roster on the trade market, but to have cost-controlled players under the new CBA, which continues to penalize teams who do pay, you know, High, high tax bills and everything else. So you want that cost control player. So you truly cannot have enough first round picks. It's like having too much money, no such thing. But especially now, whenever you want that cost control player. So if you do not love somebody at 12 and there's no, and there's no head scratching draft day fallback, what's the difference in deciphering trading back from 12 to six, but picking up an additional pick. And I know that, that maybe even you at home who support the Thunder are thinking to yourself, why on earth would they get another first-round pick? They have too many. They have enough. Enough is enough. But it's not. It not only gives you a maintained level of flexibility to both help improve your roster in the trade market, to get out from under maybe a bad move that, that you make and you don't see coming as a bad move, and also, as we mentioned, cost control players. So trading back in this draft, if you if you have a team in that, you know, 15, you know, 14 to 16 range that just loves a guy at 12 that they know will not fall. And your guy you think could have a chance to fall there. Plus you get an additional first round pick. Th- there'd be no reason against it. 
And we'll see how it all shapes up. Look, we're not even at the combine yet. We, we haven't even gotten a ton of intel on, on, on private workouts yet. So a lot of this can change. And maybe by draft night, there is a solidified number 12 overall pick. But, but no matter the name of player I list you, right? Leonard Miller, Ryan Repair, Jet Howard. No matter who I list you, if I told you that the Thunder took that player at 12, half the comment section on YouTube would be, well, they reached and should have drafted X player. Because that's just the range you're in. So I think trading back might be a good option for Oklahoma City, even though we've kind of been focused on trading up and kind of been focused on what the first overall pick, you know, first round pick could be. But trading back might be a legit option, or at least one worth exploring. The Thunder will explore everything. They're going to they're going to turn over every stone on how to improve this team this offseason. But uh, I think it's a more interesting conversation to have, and one that you should maybe be prepared for to have. In the sense of don't if that were to happen, don't just look at it as. Oh my gosh, here we go again. Another future first round pick kicking the can down the road. There is a method to the madness and there's a reason why you want to acquire these first round picks. Because you want to give yourself more and more and more chances to hit on these cost controlled players as you start having to pay out your homegrown talent from these couple of drafts and, and, and SGA, of course. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting and I, and I truly believe that everything's on the table. I believe that picking at 12 is on the table. I believe that trading up from 12 is on the table. I believe that trading back from 12 is on the table. I truly believe that the Thunder could do anything they want to do on draft night. And then we'll see on lottery night. What if they get lucky and, and move up to the top four? I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. But like, even if, they're, even if they get no lottery luck and they're at 12, it still presents Sam Presti to have all the cards to, to try to do and maneuver any which way. But trading back into the first round on top of 12 would be interesting, but it'd be centered around future first round picks. So maybe a, maybe a slide happens, but those are some names that I like for the original question from uh, Funky Sooner of, of uh, why you would try to trade back in if you want to. Coming up, who will get more minutes next year, the 12th overall pick or Usman Jang? Should the Thunder draft Bronny James? And who are some realistic trade-up targets in the draft? All that is coming up for you on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. But first, I want to tell you right now, they're good friends over at PrizePix, folks. PrizePix is incredible. They are where you want to be for all of your fun and interesting needs at PrizePix.com. Promo code uh, locked on gets you 100% instant deposit match guaranteed. PrizePix.com, PrizePix app uh, over there as well. What PrizePix is, is just you versus the projected numbers. You pick two to six players, and then from there, you go out there, and you can win 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other players. Uh, it's just you versus the projections. So you can sit back today and watch the postseason unfold and even combine sports. You can take the over, you can take the more or less on Salvador Perez one and a half hits today while also taking the more or less on, say, Jimmy Buckets 20, 20 and a half points. It's that simple and fun to make these games even more exciting to watch. So make sure you check it out today at prizepicks.com or the PrizePix app. Use the promo code Locked On, and when you do, you're going to get 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you give $100, they'll give you $100 as well in the deposit match, and away you go to have some fun at PrizePix. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Every single morning, we're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Make sure you stay tuned this week for more draft profiles and projections. Going to be a lot of fun getting through this draft 
cycle now from at Evan ETM. Who plays more minutes this next season? Usman Jang or the 12th overall pick? And does it depend on who the Thunder draft? Uh, obviously, it would depend on the Thunder who the Thunder draft, but I, I do want to dive into this question more. So Usman Jang's season was kind of interesting and and I don't think is is talked about in the correct way. First and foremost, no matter who the Thunder draft at 12, Mark is going to play 10 to 12 guys next year. Like, I know that the Thunder won 40 games. I know the Thunder made the play-in and were a game shy of the playoffs. I get all of that. But the Thunder, night in and night out, through the first 82 games of the season, are going to play 10 to 12 guys. They're going to cycle through their Rolodex of a roster. They're just going to do that. So there's going to be minutes for people. If they earn it, they'll keep getting those minutes. If they don't, they'll fall out of the rotation. It's as simple as that. But, but talking about Usman specifically, not only did the Thunder invest three first-round picks in Usman Jang, but they have loved him and circled him as a guy that they want to get their hands on since he was 16 years old. So they've been following him, tracking him, and targeting him for a very long time. And this is a very smart front office and a very good developmental staff. And in this season, you saw at Summer League, he had a wrist injury. After his best NBA game against Atlanta, he had a wrist injury. Now, those two injuries are unrelated, but they did, uh, you know, kind of derail some important developmental time for him. But I don't think people realize how good he was in the G League. And I don't think that people realize how valuable and good the G League actually is. In the G League, Usman Jang, in the 75th percentile as a spot-up shooter, in the 71st percentile as a cutter, in the 89th percentile off of screens. His catch-and-shoot jumper in the G League, he shot 39% on catch-and-shoot opportunities. He's a very good switchable defender that he showed even in the at the NBA level, that play against Steph Curry where he just takes the ball away on the perimeter. That is a massive flash of how, of how good he can be as a true defensive stopper. He showed flashes at the NBA level. He was good at the G League level. And yes, he absolutely needs to be more aggressive and play with more offensive force. But as a rookie who is not even 20 years old yet, he did show improvement in that specific aspect of his game from October through the end of the year. And we knew that he was going to be a project prospect. But I think that seeing Jalen Williams burst onto the scene really overshadows that's not normal for a rookie. And yes, Usman had the same kind of setup, and he's a lottery pick, and, and he was on this roster, but they're two totally different players at two totally different stages of their, of their basketball life. And Usman's running his own race, so to say. And he was always going to be a project. And so if I would have flashed this back to, to this time last year and said this is what Usman Jang's first season looks like on a team that won 40 games... He checked a lot of boxes, and you'd say he's progressing well. But instead, I think that the conversation is more negative on Usman Jang, which I don't necessarily get. And next year will be a big year for him. This summer is going to be a big summer for him. We'll see him in summer league and see and see what he's added or what he's, what he's improved upon. But he did a lot of good stuff. He was a good point of attack defender. He was a good help defender. And we rattle off all the aspects in the G League where he was good offensively. He has a role that he can play and thrive in. And so that's where I think that we've we've kind of got lost in the sauce here and thrown the baby out with the bathwater on Usman Jang. 
he's still a really nice piece. And he still could be something really good. Now, is he going to be an all-star? Is he going to be a starter? That, 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 is, that is way lofty. But he can still be a really good NBA player. And a really good player that deserves bulk NBA minutes. He's still very, very young. And I think that it, 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 the conversation has gone too far on the negativity of Usman Jang. This was not a Poku rookie season. At MK32, if the Thunder have the brightest future in the league, uh, what other teams are in the same boat as OKC? Well, obviously all the contenders, like the contenders are, are going to be, you know, bright future. I don't know, feel that way. But along with them, I would say the Magic have an incredibly bright future and I trust their front office. Uh, and I think that they just have a lot of good pieces and they'll get another one in this upcoming draft. The Pelicans, you cannot discount that if Zion ever gets healthy, big if, but they still have a, a, a lot of future first round picks. They still have Brandon Ingram and they still have like a lot of valuable pieces where the Pelicans have a bright future. And then Memphis, like I think that we've gotten too sour on Memphis because of a, a terrible, terrible, terrible um, in you know second half of this season where they dealt with injuries, they dealt with off the court drama, they dealt with Dylan Brooks, but still, even with the Brooks nonsense and the first round exit, they still have a bright future. And the Victor team, if it's Houston or Detroit, I feel really good about their futures. And I know, I know, we hate Houston. But in my opinion, Jalen Green is an absurd talent. I love Jabari Smith Jr., even though he had a rocky rookie season. I think that with Victor, those things elevate. And I think that that a new coaching staff would do those guys good in Houston. And then in Detroit... You pair Jaden Ivey and Cade with Victor. It's a very formidable team that, you know, Troy Weaver would be heading up. I like it. I like it in Detroit too. But like, those are some teams just, just, you know, that I think have a bright future with OKC. But obviously I think that the Thunder's future is the brightest in the NBA. They've got to go capitalize on that now. At Alex underscore Bowler Jack, it seems like we're moving away from the point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center positions. How would you redefine the five positions on the floor? Yes, Thunder and basketball in general is positionless. It just comes down to getting the right skill sets to match each other and, and conform with each other together. I, I would do it like guard wing post. That's kind of how I've always done it. But, you know, smalls and bigs could work too. You could also define them by skill uh, of like, this is a lineup that has a primary handler, a shooter, a rebounder, a score, or whatever. But, but I like guard wing post. Uh, just to simplify, that, that's how I do it on the uh, on my big board. And, you know, when I'm evaluating draft prospects, I kind of fit them into, like, are they a guard, are they a wing, are they a post player? Um, just, just to make it easier. And I think that positions are more, more so only important defensively, which sounds kind of weird because if there's a position on defense, then there has to be a position on offense to match up with. But, like, I think that defensively, you're more so worried about, like, well, can he guard a one or a two or a three or a four traditionally? And then on offense, you're more so worried about Again, his skill set and how he fits next to his the talent around him. So I would say guard wing post uh, for for positions on the floor and and, and what they mean. Uh, at brother read eleven, besides OKC, if you could handpick where Wimby lands, what would it be? So taking off the the Thunder glasses and everything, and just looking at this from from who is realistic to land Wimby. And uh, what would be the most fun option? It would be Detroit or Houston, as we just mentioned before. And you also hand-tied me here where I can't pick OKC, which I think that, 
you know, if you got a truly uh, truth serum vote of, of, of non, you know, of who in the lottery would you rather see get Victor just as a pure, like fun basketball team to watch? It would be OKC just as a non-biased party, but like watching him and Chet try to coexist with Che and J-Dub and, and, and Giddy would be must watch television. But, but other teams with a realistic shot at him, I would say Detroit and Houston would be very, very fun. And they just so happen to be the two worst teams in the NBA. But I think that they have talent on their roster that um, should go beyond that. Dallas, like, could you imagine if Dallas, and I know that like the tinfoil hat stuff that I talk about of like, why would the NBA let Dallas win the lottery? But if, you know, if, if it's not rigged, which I don't think it is rigged, but if it's not rigged, Dallas moves up to one and they bring back Kyrie and you've got Kyrie, Luca, Wimby. That'd be incredibly fun as well of the teams in the lottery. Um, in the sense of like, who would it most benefit OKC? Like if I want to handpick a team that I think would, would be of least consequence, I'd pick Charlotte. Charlotte just has that stench about them. that Like they're going to mess everything up and, and, and him and LaMelo would be awesome. It'd be highlight level plays, but, but do you trust Charlotte to put a team around those two guys that could win? Highlight plays, obviously, but would they win anything serious? Maybe so. But like, if I was going to handpick a team that I think would be of least consequence and be the least amount of like league changing aftershock waves besides just empty calorie stats, so to say, be probably Charlotte. But it's very hard to say that about any team that would get their hands on uh, Victor in this draft. Coming up, who are some realistic trade targets for Oklahoma City in the trade up department? And should the Thunder? Go after Bronny James. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder Basketball. Subscribe for you across YouTube and every other podcasting platform out there. For you everydayers, thank you for making us your first listen. And this week, you're going to get three NBA Draft profiles, a chat with Mavs Draft, and, of course, this mailbag podcast, which I appreciate you listening to. So at Kenny L. Moore, who are your realistic trade-up targets? And who is the late riser to 12 this year? So for realistic trade targets, in the sense of like moving up from 12, I would love for OKC to go up there and get Grady Dick. I think that he fits what the Thunder would do so well. And if you're still calling Grady Dick just a shooter, I would encourage you to go actually watch him play and not just like listen to to buzzwords about him or, or look at the box scores. Like watch him play and watch him impact the game. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, I think, would be phenomenal in Oklahoma City. Cam Whitmore is a guy that I think has some of the highest upside in the draft. You can go listen to our draft profile on Cam Whitmore, which came out at the end of last week. Uh, and, and he's kind of in this weird spot where he's slipping down some big boards to like the eighth or ninth or tenth you know slot on these big boards. And if he slips that far down, you, you kind of want to go see the Thunder take a shot on him, in my opinion. And then Drees Walker, I don't think it's realistic. Cause I think he's going to go top, you know, top six, top five in this draft. So it'd be hard to get from 12 to five, you know, even with the treasure trove of draft picks that the Thunder have. But I think that Drees Walker would be the perfect fit in Oklahoma city. His draft profile is also out. Uh, Grady Dick and Taylor Hendricks are coming this week. For those of you who want to know about the draft prospect profiles for uh, this week, that's two of the three. So only one more mystery surprise for you this week. 
Now, who is the late riser to 12? I agree with your opinion of Maxwell Lewis. Beyond him, I would say Bly uh, Kulabai, Kulabai. And I would also say Leonard Miller. Like, I think that Leonard Miller uh, is someone who most people would probably have around, like, the 20s in this draft. But I think that you dig deeper into his production and see how it's been done at the G League level against grown men. I think that he's going to interview very well. I think he's going to work out very well in these private workouts and showcases uh, with his agency and everything. Uh, so I think that he could be a guy that rises into the top 12, uh, which would be like 12 you know, in this case uh, for him. I, I don't really see him going better than 12, but he could rise to 12 uh, in my opinion. So those are some names I think could rise for sure in this draft, but the trade-up targets, if you found a way to get any of, you know, Grady Dick or uh, Jerese Walker or Taylor Hendricks, that would be a, a dream scenario. That would be a slam dunk. Any adjective that would be worth throwing a parade in Oklahoma city. If you found a way to get Grady Dick, Taylor Hendricks or Jerese Walker. And, and I think that they just fit perfectly in Oklahoma city. Uh, let's end it with a fun one at catch one Oh six. One, do you think that the Houston pick will convey? So the, the Rockets pick is top four protected. I'd have a really hard time. And I know, kick a mother down, whatever. And the Rockets will always mess it up. I have a really hard time thinking that that between the talent that they have in their roster and whatever they do in this draft lottery, that they'll be a bottom four team next year. So I'm going to guess right now, yes, the Rockets pick does convey. Uh, and then should OKC use one of their four first-round picks next year to get Bronny and lure LeBron James to OKC, how would LeBron fit? Bronny James, on his own merit, is a quality prospect in this draft. Obviously, from a business standpoint, the ability to draft him and then also ensure yourself a year or two or three or four or whatever LeBron is still up for at that point uh, of the best player that this generation has ever seen and, and either and, you know, a top two player of all time, we won't even get into that, to that debate right now, but you cannot, you know, you cannot deny that it would sell tickets. It would, it would put your team immediately on the, on the map with like the most nationally broadcasted games of any team in the league. Uh, it, it would, it would immediately increase your season, season ticket sales. It would just do so much for your sport, for, for your, for your franchise. And uh, in all likelihood, you have a you know a better than 50% shot of, of, of that being the last team he's ever on to where his farewell tour is on your team. And that's very valuable too. Now he could sign a one-year deal in Cleveland and do his farewell tour there, but like there's a shot at least that he, that he could do his whole farewell tour uh, with your franchise. And that's incredibly valuable from a business standpoint. And then, and then from a basketball standpoint, I think LeBron's a very, very good player. I think he's still a very good player and, and surrounding him with the young guys in OKC who can carry the load um, and take some pressure off of him would be awesome. Obviously, it'd be kind of clunky in the sense of working out starters and working out minutes and everything else, but um, you would do it in a heartbeat. I, In the sense of, like, signing LeBron, in the sense of drafting Bronny, it's still a long ways away. Like, it's over a year away. But at this current date and time, while I think that Bronny is a legitimate prospect and I think he's going to have a fun season at USC, to me, he's not a cash-the-chips-in guy. Like he's not a guy that you trade three future first round picks to go get the rights to him. So I would just say if if he falls in the range of a Thunder pick, take him. Like take him. He, he's a good prospect. But you know if if he's like five slots ahead of where you're at, don't trade three future first for him. You know. So it's it's kind of that thing. Hope that I explained that fairly well. Uh, 
and, and kind of went through the process of that for you. But that's where we're at on Bronny. And he did commit over the weekend to USC. For those of you wondering, which USC next year will be one of the title favorites and, and Bronny bolsters them a lot. Now it's going to be just must watch television uh, for, for college basketball next year. And overall 2024 is seen as a kind of weaker draft class. So a weaker draft class, the name cachet of Bronny and the possibility of drafting LeBron and, and whatever he does at USC that will impact his draft stock as well. So thank you all for everyone who sent in, sent in questions on mailbag Monday. Uh, you can do the same. If you want to get your questions read, uh, going, going on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. It's R Y L E N underscore S T I L E S comment them on YouTube, locked on Thunder YouTube channel, and then subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, so I appreciate that as well. Until tomorrow for our Taylor Hendricks draft profile and projection, we'll have our gritty Dick draft profile and projection on Wednesday, hopefully a chat with Mavs draft on Thursday, and then on Friday, a mystery draft profile. I don't want to reveal that to you just yet, who that's going to be on Friday. So until then, uh, be good and be good to one another.